you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to open to Matthew chapter 4. We're going to look there today. I was reading about what was then billed as the fight of the century. For the first time in history, there was going to be a match between an unbeaten former heavyweight boxing champion against the current unbeaten heavyweight champion. March 8th, 1971, the fight between Smoke and Joe Frazier and Muhammad Ali. Neither fighter had lost. Tickets were going on sale for $150 apiece. And the fight was being watched by over 300 million people all over the world. Ali and Frazier were both guaranteed at that time the, the unprecedented sum of $2.5 million just to fight each other. And when the report came over the radio that Joe Frazier defeated Muhammad Ali and retained the heavyweight championship, people all over the world erupted. Some were uh, happy and celebrating, some were angry, but nobody doubted that that fight lived up to its billing. See, I want us to go back this morning, about 2,000 years ago, to what I think is really the fight of the ages. It was the heavyweight championship basically for the human race and for the universe of all time. And in one corner is the devil. And my guess is most bookies would have had him as the favorite for the fight. He was refreshed. He had trained hard. He had the entire backing of hell. And he had been planning this tack since the beginning of time. And he has inflicted at least one defeat on every opponent he had ever faced. And the other corner was Jesus. He probably would have been the underdog. I mean, he hadn't had anything to eat for 40 days. No food, no water, out in the desert. And he is battling Satan and all of the forces of hell. And Satan throws three of his best punches against Jesus. And honestly, if any of those punches had landed, there would be no hope for you and no hope for me of ever spending eternity with God. If any of those punches had landed, if he had gotten a knockout, none of us would have any hope of defeating sin in this life or the life to come. And I believe that's why Matthew records the story. The language in it is very simple. The whole story takes up less than 200 words, but really it's such a remarkable passage of Scripture because it shows us without a doubt that even though we can know we are going to be tempted. Temptation is going to come to each and every one of us. It also tells us that we can defeat temptation. So I want us to learn what to do when we're tempted. I don't know if you know this, in the United States there are 24 different medical specialties that are recognized by the American Board of Medical Specialties. And one of them is called preventative medicine. And basically, preventative medicine is engaged in the discipline of preventing disease rather than trying to cure it. It wants to fight the illnesses on the front end rather than the back end. See, that's what I want us to do. That's what I hope we can learn today is how do we prevent temptation? How do we fight temptation on the front end rather than try to deal with it on the back end? And it begins here. Don't be surprised by temptation. Expect it. It's going to come. 
Well, let's look at our scripture. Matthew 4. We're going to start with verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command His angels concerning you. They will lift you up in their hands so you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. See, notice a couple things about Jesus here before we really dive in. He's the Son of God. Yes, we all know that. We all believe that. He was being led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness. He was completely submissive to the will of God and he was totally under the power of God. And that tells me something about temptation. Because whenever you are being tempted, whenever anyone is being tempted, it doesn't mean that they're living a substandard Christian life. It doesn't mean that something is wrong with them or or they're out of the will of God. It doesn't mean they're being disobedient. I mean, there was never a time in the life of Christ, I believe, when he was closer to the Father than during these 40 days. For 40 days, he purposely fasted from everything that we consider essential so that he could concentrate completely on his relationship with the Father. And yet Matthew says in verse 1, Jesus led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. And so even though the major temptations that we're going to look at happened after the 40 days and 40 nights of fasting, Jesus actually had to face temptation throughout the 40 days. And I think some people, they confuse temptation and sin. And we have to understand, it's not a sin to be tempted. It's not abnormal to be tempted. We all are. But what it is a sin is when we yield to that temptation. See, Jesus wasn't just tempted as the Son of God. He was tempted as the Son of Man. Right? God cannot be tempted. God doesn't get hungry. Man gets hungry. God doesn't get tempted because he has everything. It's only man that gets tempted. And it was in his humanity that Jesus faced Satan, just like we do. And it doesn't matter how hard you try. It doesn't matter how purely you walk or how much you try to avoid it. There's no way to live a life that is so peaceful, so serene, you're going to be completely immune from the assaults of Satan. Temptation always begins with inner battles in the mind. One person said it this way, they're the unseen struggles of the will. I mean, think about it. Each and every one of us here in this room and and throughout the world, we fight against temptation every day. Temptations that no one else probably even knows about. 
So expecting temptation can help us be alert for our spiritual battles. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 says this, Be of sober spirit, be on alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. See, if we really understood the devil, and we really understand what he wants for our lives and the life of every child of God, we would never be surprised by temptations. Even if you're not a child of God, you shouldn't be surprised that A, there is a devil, because Scripture tells us there is. And the devil doesn't want what's best for you. He wants what's worse for you. And if he can, he will tempt you to destroy everything. He'll tempt you to destroy your marriage, to throw your life away on alcohol and drugs. He'll tempt you, as David did, to give in to that one night stand. Don't be surprised by the temptation. Expect it. And then don't be fooled by temptation. Detect it. See, there's one thing about the temptations of Jesus that we know. We know that there were three specific ways that Satan tempted him. And generally, those are the three specific ways he will tempt us. For example, he was tempted to appeal to the physical. Right? It said, after 40 days and 40 nights of fasting, he became hungry. And the tempter said, if you're the son of God, command these stones to become bread. I mean, Jesus just finished 40 days and 40 nights of fasting. And like any of us, that if we ever tried that, we would be starving. And there's no doubt he was ready for a steak with all the trimmings and a giant piece of pie for afterwards. And sitting at his feet were these small, smooth stones. And Satan tempts him to do something he could so easily have done. And that's to fulfill his physical desires in his own way. Take matters in his own hands. I mean, Jesus knew his power. He knew his hands could become like little ovens and he could become an instant bakery and bake those stones into bread. And he could eat to his heart's desire. But remember why he fasted in the first place. It was, it was because he was led by the Spirit of God. It was to help him grow in his relationship with God. It was to help him to obey the will of the Father. And really, one of the, one of the greatest ways we're tempted today is, is physically. I'm convinced the devil's favorite line is, if it feels good, do it. That's the temptation that Satan gave to Jesus. Separating the physical from the spiritual. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what God wants. What do you want? What do you really want? Now understand, there's nothing wrong with our physical desires. There's nothing wrong with being hungry for food and thirsty for water. And God, God created our bodies to hunger and thirst but what is wrong when we, uh, when what is wrong and what is out of God's mainstream is when we make a God out of our physical desires. Satan wanted Jesus to make bread his God. Just like today there are people that make their bed their God and they worship sex. There are people that make bottles their God and they worship alcohol. There are people that make bodies their God and they worship physical beauty. I mean, this temptation goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden when Satan tempted Eve to eat the forbidden 
fruit. It was nothing more than to be tempted to substitute the physical for the spiritual. The second temptation we see is when they uh, substitute and appeal to the emotional. Look at verse 5. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so you will not strike your foot against a stone. The devil takes Jesus to the highest point in the southeast corner of the temple, overlooking the Kidron Valley, part of the roof known as the royal portico, and down below was a 450-foot drop. And Satan says, Jesus, why don't you just go and do a double backflip swan dive right below us? I mean, after all, you are the Son of God, and you know God will protect you. He's not going to let anything happen to you. Besides, there's a lot of people around, and they'll all see this, and you'll become the talk of the town. People will accept you as their hero, and they will do anything that you ask them to do. See, but we're going to learn by the way Jesus responds. Not only is this a temptation for Jesus to test God, it's a temptation for God to force God to prove himself. To try and get Jesus to use his powers to impress others. See, all of us at some time or another are going to have temptations where we're going to be tempted to follow what we feel rather than what we know. Right? For example, we all feel like we need to keep up with the Joneses, even if we can't afford the new car or the nicer house, and yet we go deeper into debt and try to buy them. Or we feel like we're in love with that other person, even though they're, they're not a believer and a follower in Christ, and we know God's Word says you should never marry an unbeliever and be unequally yoked, and yet we allow the way we feel to lead us rather than what we know. We allow the devil to attack us emotionally. I guarantee each one of us in this room could, could stand up and give a testimony of times when we've gotten into trouble because instead of letting God's word rule in our lives, we let our feelings rule over us. And the truth of this temptation was Satan was simply doing everything he could to keep Jesus from doing what God wanted him to do. And really, that's the bottom line of all temptation, isn't it? Uh, there's a little booklet called The Four Spiritual Laws. And the first spiritual law is this. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And it said, hey, hell has its own set of spiritual laws. And here's the first one. Satan hates you and has a horrible plan for your life. And anytime Satan can get you to do what you know God doesn't want you to do, or anytime he can stop you from doing what you know God wants you to do, he's won the emotional battle in your heart. I mean, Scripture is plain, isn't it? We are not to test God. We are to trust God. And that was the temptation that Jesus faced. The, the other temptation is to appeal to the spiritual. I mean, Satan saves the best for last, doesn't he? he? He takes him to a high mountain and he shows Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and he says, all these things I'll give to you if you just bow down and worship me. Yeah, I, I don't know about you, but I've had the privilege of seeing some of the greatest sights in our country. I, I've seen the, the beautiful Grand Canyon. I've been to the mighty Niagara Falls. I've been to the Great Salt Lake. I've been to the Golden Gate Bridge. I've been to the Mall of America. 
But you know, I have to imagine that nothing I have ever seen compares to what these two figures saw at that moment. Overlooking all of the kingdoms of the world. And Satan makes this offer that you think, man, Jesus just can't refuse. Because what he's doing is he's offering Jesus the exact same kingdoms that his heavenly father was going to offer him if he just skips the cross, if he bows down and worships him. And Jesus could win, and now there would be no pain and no blood and no dying and no humiliation and no cross. In other words, Satan wanted him to be the shortcut savior. And see, the bottom line of this temptation, and, and this is where we all face our greatest temptations in life, is that you give Satan, or you give someone else, or something else, the one thing that only belongs to God. And that is our worship. I mean, the sin that is mentioned more often in Scripture than any other sin is that of idolatry. And it's alive and well in our world, isn't it? There are gods on every street corner of America. And they may not look like giant golden calves like they had in the Old Testament, but, but they're there. And some people, they worship the God of prosperity, and their God is gold. And some worship the God of possessions, and their creed is greed. And some worship the God of popularity, and their claim is fame. And we know that God is a loving God, but he's also a jealous and demanding God. And what he demands is our absolute, complete, total surrender. And when we fail to give him anything less than that, we've given in to the temptation of the spiritual. So don't be surprised. Finally, don't be defeated by temptation. Reject it. I mean, you read through this story and you see very carefully Jesus overcame these two temp this temptations with two secret weapons. And the great news is, as followers of Christ, we have access to those weapons. There are two statements. Notice Matthew 4.1. It says, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And then three times in verse 4, 7, and 10, he says this, It is written. The, the two secrets Jesus had that enabled him to defeat Satan and the temptations were first, he was filled with the Spirit of God. And secondly, he was armed with Scripture. Jesus was led by the Spirit of God. And, and the only way you are ever led by someone is if you are following them. And the only way you truly follow someone is if you've completely submitted your life to their authority. That's what Jesus did. He submitted his life to the authority of the Spirit. He was full of the Spirit. And understand, Jesus defeated Satan in the power of the Holy Spirit. One of the reasons that God gives us his Holy Spirit, the reason it's so important on a daily basis we surrender our life to him is he's God's nuclear weapon. That enables us to defeat the temptations of Satan. Because to be honest, there are only two people in this world that can never possibly defeat temptation. First, if you are not a follower of Christ. If you're not a follower of Christ, you, you're, you're defenseless, you're helpless. Satan has you right where he wants you. But second, if you are a follower of Christ, but you are trying to defeat him in your own strength and your own power, you're like the featherweight going up against the heavyweight and you're just going to become a paperweight. 
He was armed with the Spirit. He was also armed with Scripture, the Word of God. I mean, for every temptation that the devil brings in our lives, there is a Word of God that counteracts that temptation. And notice, Jesus, he never tried to negotiate with the devil. He didn't try to argue with him or try to debate him or, or use any magic formulas or magic words or holy water or anointed handkerchiefs. He simply used the Word of God. And when it comes to the moral and ethical areas in our life, there is always a Word of God that we can follow. Years ago, if you remember, there was an old advertising slogan for the Yellow Pages. And it said, let your fingers do the walking. Well, when it comes to our temptation, the one piece of advice we need to follow is let the Word of God do the talking. And as we do, James 4.7 becomes a part of our life. James 4 says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. See, basically we have two choices. You can either submit to God and resist the devil, or you can submit to the devil and resist God. And every time you are tempted in your life, you're going to do one of those two things. So as we leave this morning, don't, don't be fooled by, surprised by temptation. Expect it. Don't be fooled by it. And don't be defeated by temptation. Martin Luther used to have a horrible time with temptation and lived a life of sin uh, as far away from God as he could get until finally he came to know Christ as his Savior and surrendered his life to him. And someone once asked him, well, how do you handle temptation? And he said, oh, it's simple. When Satan used to knock on the door of my heart, I would answer, and every time he would defeat me. He said, but now Satan knocks on the door of my heart, and Jesus answers. And he says, Martin Luther doesn't live here anymore. He's moved out. I live here now. And he said, that's when Satan flees. See, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, when you are armed with the Scripture, and when you are led by the Savior, we can always know what to do when we're tempted. So let me ask, as we close this morning, are you ready? The battle? Are you filled with the Spirit of God? Have you surrendered your life over to him? Or maybe you need to do that this morning. If that's your desire,